this is the beginning of something bigger. And I think there's going to be an ever-growing fraction of retirement planning contributions that will be required to be a Roth contribution. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your Retirement Elevated. Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of the podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan. So glad that you've taken out some time to join us today. We're going to provide you with some good financial and retirement education on the program today. This is your Retirement Elevated. Find us online at listentoscott.com. Scott, good to be with you this week, my friend, back in the back in your studio. Yes, it's good to be back. Uh, we've got some great podcast topics for today. And uh, anytime I can say the IRS has made a mistake and it's in your benefit, I like to I, I get excited about that. That's like that Monopoly card. The bank has uh, made an error in your favor. Isn't that one of the community chest cards? Yes, it is. It oh. is. So, or one of the few chance cards that actually has a positive outcome. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, so we wanted to definitely start uh, start today's podcast uh, building off of the last podcast where we talked about the IRS and what they. They said that they were going to do, but they retracted that. And once we've got that cleared up and explained, we're going to jump to the Secure Act 2.0, the son of the Secure Act uh, that's coming out. So there's a lot lot of information today. Uh, We're going to have some fun with it and uh, give you some good information to apply to your situation. Secure Act Jr., if you will. Yes, that's what it is. All right, so the last episode, if you haven't heard that one, folks, go listen to it. Uh, Episode 64, Critical Facts, Secure Act's RMD Rule, Not What You Thought. We really focused in on the RMD rule here, but now we have more with Secure Act Junior or 2.0 that we need to cover. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. Well, I'll let you take us in uh, the right direction here because the Secure Act 1.0 was uh, thorough enough, Scott, to where we spent several episodes diving into it. I'm intrigued to hear what has changed direction in 2.0. Definitely. Well, in his, the first thing we want to talk about, you know, last episode we talked about what happens when you inherit an IRA. And when the Secure Act came out, basically said, hey, you, you've got up to 10 years before you, ha- you have to have it emptied out. So you drain all that money out of the IRA that you inherited by the 10th year. And so almost every, I would say every expert, every advisor that I knew, we were operating the fact that, okay, you pass away, and we've got a clock that's ticking for 10 years, and we just have to have it emptied out by that 10th year. And no RMDs, no mandatory distributions per year we have to calculate, very streamlined. Well, the IRS came out and said, no, 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 it's not that easy. We're going to make you do a stretch IRA or take out RMDs for the first nine, and then you have to empty it out by the 10th, which is not a big issue from a tax perspective. It's more of an administrative nightmare. And so the the whole industry was up in arms. And like I said last time at the end of the podcast, I said, don't get too fixated on this. There's going to be a comment section and it's not set in stone. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks ago, it came out and said, oh, no, no, sorry, we made a mistake. <laughs> we interpreted that incorrectly. They had used... Um, How often does the IRS admit a mistake like that? That seems not, a bit unusual, doesn't it? A bit, a bit unusual. I, I think there was so much backlash 
that happened very, very quickly uh, that they had to come out and kind of retract, say, oh, sorry, we, we misinterpreted that. So to everyone listening, if you have an inherited IRA, the original thought process of you inherit that and you have 10 years in which to drain it out with no mandatory amounts within that 10 years, the bottom line is by the end of the 10 years, you have to have it all emptied out because the IRS wants the deferred taxation inside of it. So that's great news. That simplifies things. And we will not have that administrative issue of all those calculations for nine years. And then, oh my gosh, we got to take it all out. So I wanted to clear that up uh, right out of the gate. And so, so again, positive news. The IRS made a mistake. Luckily, they clarified it. And we're going to operate what we were thinking the past two years and not have to change course. So everybody, deep breath, relax. The complexity has been reduced. Okay. Well, that is good. Uh, glad that they were able to kind of have some quick acting uh, response to that because I would have figured out it would have been something that would have happened over the course of years for them to <laughs> correct course on something like that. Yeah, usually uh, they, they come back. So so now that we've relaxed and we've, we've, we know that complexity has been reduced for that, now comes along Secure Act 2.0, what we also call the Rothification of Retirement. So some interesting. <laughs> I uh, like that. Yeah, it's so interesting pieces um, of this new Secure Act 2.0. And again, uh, this was passed by the House Ways and Means Committee on Wednesday, or about a week ago, I guess it was, about ten days ago. Excuse me. It's a 146-page package, and you know it does highlight a few things. Nothing major uh, that's out there where we reduce the complexity in our earlier conversation. Uh, the way it is written today increases the complexity of saving during retirement and also increases the complexity of the required minimum distributions uh, for people that are over 72. So we'll, we'll jump into those and just give you some feedback. But again, this has a long road ahead of us. This is not, you know, this is not set in stone. We do not have to abide by these rules. The reason I'm bringing it up today is because we've already have clients reaching out to us and asking us about this Roth 2.0. So I just want to give you our take on it. And then, uh, as always, let's wait. We'll see what happens. And when we get a final result and a final set of instructions, then we'll plan accordingly, reach out to you, and, and make any adjustments we need to make. So we're still in the phase of these things passing through committees, not becoming law yet. It, correct. But it, I think it gives you an insight of what what politicians are thinking and how they view our retirement accounts. And I think that's the most insightful part of this. So this Roth 2.0, it's going to contain provisions that will definitely please some and frustrate others. And furthermore, it seems to be pushing more investors' savings into non-tax-deferred individual retirement accounts, meaning Roth IRAs, which that's a significant shift from you know previous rules you know because i think up until this point it's all been about defer 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 your taxes with that you know myth that tax rates are going to be much lower in retirement this is showing that they're willing to let you divert money into a roth account what that does is that means you're paying the tax dollars on that account immediately now it grows tax deferred and it comes out tax free that's great but they're getting their revenue today. So if we look at this, 
if it passes as it stands now, uh, those making catch-up contributions to retirement plans, and you've got to be 50 and older, will be forced to make those catch-up contributions to on a Roth basis, meaning it's after tax. You don't get a tax deduction for it. So example, now if you put $10,000 into your 401k, that reduces your income by that $10,000. So you get a tax deduction. Now, when you take it out later, after it's grown tax deferred, then you have to pay ordinary income tax on that. So what they're saying now is, hey, you, we know you're 50. We know you want you want to start saving some more. You know, kids are out of school. Uh, you, you're on better footing, making more money. Uh, they're saying, hey, you can do that. You can put money away for your retirement. You're just going to pay taxes on that money now with the idea that it's tax-free later. So again, it's about raising uh, revenue. So in other words, you know, you're no longer going to be allowed to make a tax-deferred contribution and that's going to be a big part of the revenue raise, you know, for the IRS. And this particular concept, that's why we call it the Rothification, meaning, hey, you got to put this away, or if you want to put it away, you got to do it on a tax-free basis, but you got to pay the toll today, which I think is a good thing. So with that idea, they're really kind of just testing the waters uh, because traditionally, these catch-up contributions are generally made by those who have already put in the maximum tax deferred contribution. And so it, it is a departure from what's what's been going on so far. All of this seems to make sense, right? Like for years, the government established the these programs to help us be encouraged to save. Hey, get a tax benefit now so that you can save money for your future and we'll get the taxes from you later on in life when you've been able to have all these gains and we can you know, tax more of those gains. But now they're kind of switching around. We need tax money now. So they're starting to encourage more and more of that, pay the tax now and selling the back end of, but your growth now, you won't be taxed on that. It's very basic, but it makes sense it would, given where the country is with debt and needing to pay for things that they want to get this money faster. It seems to be a common thread through a lot of the different little changes that are happening here. Yeah. And so they're, that, that age old adage, they, instead of collecting the tax on the harvest, meaning the, you made it after you made a tax deductible contribution, it grows. And so you, you saved on the seed, but they're banking on when you harvest that, it's much, much bigger. Your tax base is going to be much larger. So where they're saying, nope, we're just going to, we're going to collect the tax on the seed and you harvest it down the road and it's yours. So that's positive if, if you're a proactive saver. But I think this is, this is the beginning of something bigger. And I think there's going to be an ever-growing fraction of retirement planning contributions that will be required to be a Roth contribution. And it's at the same time, of course, it's possible that tax-deferred options will be increasingly disallowed in retirement plans because Congress is looking for ways to find more tax dollars. So again, for some people, this approach can be a good thing since there's a lot of people who would otherwise not do any savings in Roth accounts. Uh, these accounts would allow retirees to withdraw money tax-free. So that's great. On the other hand, if you're a type of person who wants to defer taxes, you know, this move works against you. And kind of what's been talking about kind of the fear is that it will become easy the next time Congress wants to raise revenue to start diminishing the regular contributions to an IRA and make it Roth only. So the reason we say that there's a fear of that 
This was in the Trump Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. We call this the second bite of the apple. And so they were going to try to require that, but it got it was eliminated before the bill's passage. So it's been teed up. So it's just being resurrected as a possible way to raise revenue. Uh, so that's a you know pretty big, large uh, part of what they're doing. And so some of the other things that the Secure Act 2.0 um, would like to bring into uh, the, the planning realm is they would like to increase the RMD age to 73 up from 72 starting January 1st, 2022 to 74 starting on January 1st, 2029. And then finally, 75 starting on January 1st, 2032. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I talked about, hey, we reduced complexity, now we're increasing complexity. Yeah. That's an example of it. Well, they had 70 and a half for so long, it probably just didn't feel right to have this very easy full round number of 72. So they had to go in and add a whole bunch of other little complications to it, right? Yeah, so basically they're saying, hey, we're going to increase it over from 72 to 75, but we're going to do it over a 10-year period. You know, So just think about, I can tell you from that 70 and a half to 72 change was huge, and it really was confusing to most of the world. This is just a multiple of confusion there. I wonder if so that'll hope, get cold by the final example. I certainly hope so. Now, uh, yeah, the other thing about this is that the IRS data says that only 80, that 80 percent of the people who take the RMD amount or more do so because they need the money. So the idea that you know this pushing to 75 is a is a big deal. It's really applicable to about 20 percent of the population. Hmm. The people that say, "Hey, we're doing okay on Social Security. Maybe we have pensions. We don't really need this money from the RMD. It's more forced upon them, and it increases." you know, the basically the, the taxes they have to pay. So, you know, with that, as far as a complexity on the catch-up uh, provisions, you know, we talked about that a little bit ago, that it's, you know, at age 50, uh, you can start putting more money into an IRA or a 401k. So that's, that's good news. To add further confusion, I say, well, wait a minute, you know, when you're 50, you can start putting more money in, but we want to give you a the next catch-up was 62 to 64. It's great, but it doesn't make any logical sense. So basically saying is when you from 50 to 61, you can put more money in. 62 to 64, you can put even more money in. But at 65, it drops back down. And so again, it's perplexing. Uh, there's no correlation to any other provision except for Medicare um, which is illogical because there's real no connection there. Uh, so I'm hoping that you know they clarify this and really streamline it. And the only reason I bring this up, I'm not trying to confuse people. We are just having these conversations now, and people are asking us these things, and that's what's driving this podcast. Because if we have a handful of clients that are reaching out to us asking these questions, I assume there's more that yeah. are thinking about it or talking about it. Yeah. And with, you know, the media, you know, they never, never miss an opportunity to scare people, you know, and talk about, oh, my gosh, all these changes, because that's what's happening. People are reading headlines and the headlines are out of context. The things we're talking about today are not law. They're not put into place. But in the media, they're being kind of drummed up as these you know impending doom type of things. 
So again, it's the Secure Act 2.0. There's some positives or some negatives. Uh, my advice to you is don't get too wrapped up into it. We don't need to make any changes at this point because nothing is law. But just know that we are keenly aware of it. We are on top of it. And as soon as it comes out, or if it does come out, that here's the new rules, we're going to follow those. We're going to give you expert advice you know, that's important to your situation. Uh, but again, all that being said, relax, deep breath, and wait for this to settle out. And then we'll do another podcast that gives you the details of what, we have, what rules we have to follow going forward. Uh, Secure Act 2.2. Uh, we will and, and two point three. It'll be like uh, when they release new uh, for, for for iPhone. You know, it's it's the twelve point four whatever release of the iPhone operating system. We'll start doing that with Secure Act. We'll have multiple it, it versions. It is, it is, and it just shows you that the people that are coming up with these things don't really have a good handle on the retirement plan, retirement planning how it works and the complexity of these rules, and they definitely don't understand the effects that having these contradictory rules have on people, you know, because it's confusing. It, it Again, a level of complexity that's unwarranted. And so, again, it's it's just kind of crazy how they're, they're talking about this. But, again, we'll hope cooler heads prevail. We actually get something that's easier to manage. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see how that works out. Yeah. It's always interesting. Some of the things that come out that are very straightforward and easy to understand, and then the uh, serious complications that can come up in the same breath. Like just the whole idea of the Roth IRA. Just very straightforward, easy, right? Pay the tax now, gross tax free, done. Uh, pretty easy to follow. Get the idea, makes sense. And then you get into the, all of these other nuances, and we get so far away from that simplicity. But. I'm glad that we can rely on you, Scott, to keep us up to date on these things. And uh, I know you're always keeping your, you're like a hawk. You always have your eye out for these little changes that pop up so that uh, we don't have to be that hawk. And that's good <laughs> and very helpful. Uh, if, you've, if you've got any questions for Scott and you still want to talk about your financial plan or anything that comes up in, you know, your your financial planning or retirement planning, if uh, you know you haven't been good about keeping in touch and uh, coming in for your reviews, make sure you do that. And if you've got any questions, reach out. Scott's there for you, of course. Nine one three three nine three forty seven twenty four. The number nine one three three nine three four seven two four. Or get in touch through the website. Podcast is at listen to Scott com. That's listen to Scott. Dot com. Scott, thanks for taking us through Secure Act 2.0, and uh, we'll be looking forward to more on this topic as we go forward in the future. Sounds great. All right, we'll talk to you soon. That's Scott Dugan. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.